but we're also like actively trying <gasps> to expand our family in quarantine. And so that just creates a whole- That's great. That's the activity to be doing for sure. Hi, I'm Dahlia. I'm not your therapist, but I am a dating coach, a matchmaker, and your new best friend when your real best friend just doesn't want to listen to you anymore. So let's have it. Hello, I hope you are all doing well out there. Continue to send me your questions. I am here for them. I am not going anywhere else. Not Your Therapist Podcast at gmail.com and Not Your Therapist Podcast on Instagram. I have been focusing a lot on virtual dating, but you can also ask me about other dating because it will happen again someday. Or maybe you live with someone or you're quarantined with someone, or you can send me questions about virtual dating. Speaking of which, I happen to have on the podcast today a pair of virtual matchmakers from LJ Matchmaking. They're actually regular matchmakers who have since gone virtual, but they have a database that they put people in and then set them up on blind dates. So if you're in the Los Angeles area, you can be a part of that. We're going to get into the details of how to successfully date virtually, which a lot of it applies to successfully dating in real life as well. So whether you're into the virtual thing or not, I think you will love this episode. And there are some really great, fun, inspiring, successful love stories in this one. So let's get to our listener question. I asked for questions regarding virtual dating, and I got a really great one that just says, how do you get started? Great question. I think the way to get started is the same way you would get started if you were decided you were ready to start regular dating. You would make a couple app profiles, make yourself look good, have a couple friends look at them, and then just start chatting to people. It is going to be probably a little sparse out there, but approach it as you would. I also think a great tool for right now is kind of combing through your friends' connections. So I talk about this a lot, but making social other social media, your dating apps as well, Facebook, Instagram, even Twitter, look at your friends' friends. Say, oh, who's that? He's cute. There's different groups you can join on Facebook where there's a lot of kind of flirting going on, um, and just reaching out to people that maybe you would be afraid to normally. You can always just start with, hey, how's your quarantine going? I see that we have this friend in common. Or, hey, we met at that thing three months ago, wanted to check in and see how you were doing. Or if you're on the dating apps, I think it's great to put somewhere in your profile, you know, a call to action, like take me out for a Zoom martini or show me your best drink recipe over Zoom or, you know, some sort of kind of flirty, fun, suggesting a specific activity. I'm all about the specifics. And then just start chatting. And if you chat to someone on one of the apps or on Facebook or whatever for a few exchanges, doesn't have to be longer than usual just because we're virtual now, but a few exchanges, you're hitting it off. Say, hey, want to take this to a FaceTime or Zoom call? We can have a drink. Um, And it could be right then. You also don't have to plan a date as if it were a real date. It doesn't have to be like Saturday at 8 p.m. It could be like, what are you doing right now? Want to grab a drink? Give me five minutes to put on some mascara. You know, have, have fun, have lightness about it. A little bit of spontaneity goes a long way. You can also say, you know, let's set up a date like a real date and let's do Friday at seven or Friday at six. Position it at a time that is going to feel good for you and not stressful. So whether that's before dinner or after dinner or before a work call or after a work call, whatever it is, 
just start to put some feelers out there. I think the call to action on your profiles is really important and being proactive with your friends, friends, and maybe other connections that you have had in the past um, is also really helpful. So dip your toe in, get started. There's little at stake when you're just checking in with someone saying, how's your quarantine? Would you like to grab a Zoom drink? They can say no and you can go back to what you were doing, but at least you put yourself out there. So Go to it. And now we will talk more about virtual dating. Hello, I am here. It is a Saturday afternoon. I'm so excited to be here with some wonderful experts in the field of both regular dating and virtual dating. Um, I'm here with LJ Matchmaking, who are also two individual people, Lauren Rosenberg and JD Samuels, Cuba. Cuba? Cuba. Cuba? Cuba. Although his parents actually say Cuba, and so Dave and his sister sort of had a coup when they were, uh, I want to say college age, people started calling them Coob and Coobs and Cuba, and they just went with it, and now I'm a Cuba and not a Cuba. This feels like a family rift that could get very serious if we don't it figure it out. Our wedding. It was it was definitely <laughs> in speeches. I feel like Cuba is more exo- exotic. You should be Cuba. That's like fun. I know. I feel like when we have children, you know, maybe they'll just they'll they'll take it back. And they should gonna- take it back. You should encourage <laughs> them to. Are you keeping your hyphenate? Um, it's not legally hyphenated. Oh. I, I'm leaving Samuels as my middle name for writing purposes and just because you know, for matchmaking, people know me as J.D. Samuels. Um, but my name's actually Jessica. That's a whole other thing for a whole other podcast. Wow. Okay, we'll do that on our Name Origin podcast, soon to be coming the longer we spend in quarantine. Um, Lauren is also here. Lauren has one last name as far as I know. Yes, that is correct. Okay, great. But Lauren has another edition new, which is a baby... Yes, Con- a new congratulations. Baby. You were um, like, I do? No, you do. You have a baby. I have to tell well, you. Well, sometimes I need to be reminded, especially when I'm not with him, because I'm with him all the time. And then when I'm not with him, I'm like, wait, what is going on here? This yeah. Really, like, this sounds very silent. Like, so sometimes I do need to be. How, how new is your baby? Pretty Three new. months old. Oh my God. So he's only been out in the world for like a month and a half, and the other month and a half has been. In your apartment, I guess. Yeah. Your house, whatever. Me and my husband were the queen and king of the castle. We're the only people that exist in his world, basically. That's pretty nice for you. I wonder how this quarantine will affect all the babies. Well, I'm concerned about his microbiome because I like being exposed to to germs Mm -hmm. and the outside world and Mm. all the uh, craziness that's out there. Um, and he's not going to be exposed to that. No, he's not. I mean, eventually he will be, but I guess you can't like bring germs into your house on purpose. Nope. I mean, maybe probiotics or something like that. Maybe something like that. How's it going? So both of you are in long-term relationships. Shady, you're married. Lauren, you're married and just had a baby. I'm engaged. I have my own experience with living with my partner, but I first wanted to ask both of you, how's it going? How's quarantine how are your different relationships handling it? What's kind of the routine you've settled into or what works for you really in this quarantine? Because I know it can be hard for some couples. Well, first of all, congratulations, because I don't think, I feel like we've corresponded since then, but we oh. haven't actually seen your face since you are 
this newly engaged woman. So oh. congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Very exciting. Never, never really thought this moment would come, but here we are. I feel here like no are. one ever does. I mean, you have the category of people who just assume it's going to happen and they're, enti- you know, they revolve so much of their life around making it happen. And then everybody else, which is probably the majority of single women out there, like, it's never going to be me. I'm going to be alone forever. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Yes. I think a lot of people, especially if you're someone who dates a lot, like I was before this happened, I was like, actually, the night I got home from my first date with him, I was like, guess I'll just date forever. Like, that was the first thought. I remember like saying that out loud, but in my brain when I got home, because I was just like, that was fine. But like, this is just my life. I'm just going to go on like dates forever. It's dates forever until it's one forever. And one forever. Although I tell him we should still go on dates, you know. Should definitely still go on dates. Right? Are you guys doing the whole like, are you doing like, I've read some articles that are like, how to keep it special with your partner during the quarantine and like make date nights at home. And I've kind of approached it with Matt, my fiance, and he's like, we're, I like a routine like we make dinner we have a drink we watch Netflix like it's fine and I'm like you're right I actually don't need to push this right now we're all just getting through it I don't need to be the woman that's like why don't you take me out in my own house why don't you take me to the, the kitchen yeah. <laughs> surprise me <laughs> I do know some people who are like good about that but we've always been kind of just more of a cozy couple like yeah, I'm usually the one that's pushing Matt to go out, come with me, be my plus one, let's go out to dinner. So right now, this is his domain. Like, yes. he feels like he was born for this moment. That's how mine feels. He loves it. He's also Matt. They're both mats. Maybe it's a mat thing of like, I. this is my ideal world. Like, I know we're both a little bit like shut in in the house, but mostly I think he's like, this is how we are best. We just get to be around each other and cozy in. And I'm like, okay, but shouldn't we do something? But I'm, I'm letting it happen. I'm letting it happen. I'm trying to relax. Like I, I'm trying to lean more into what he sees as fun. Like we've been playing video games together before I didn't take that kind of initiative. Um, I'm also now more open to watching crazy indie movies because I've always liked Cerebral Fair. Mm. But I'm more of a like a Marvel movie action person. And I love like dark suspense dramas. Um, He likes stuff that's a little bit lighter, funnier, crazier. So now we're watching all these indie films together, like Butt Boy. Wow. (laughs) And we're watching like another one that a client of ours actually recommended. And he had been trying to get me to watch the, uh, the movie that this director had, uh, directed before the movie that the client had suggested called Greasy Strangler. And I'm like, we really should watch this movie and Greasy Strangler. And he's like, I tried to get you to watch Greasy Strangler and you t- told me I was stupid. And I'm like, no, I'm really, I'm open. I want to watch Greasy Strangler. Um, apparently he also directed recently a Craig Robinson, Aubrey Plaza movie. I forget the name of it. Um, so yeah, being, you know, diving into his world a little bit more. Yeah, I like that. I think this is a great opportunity for everyone to be a little more open to things they normally are not. Like we're watching the Michael Jordan documentary. I've gotten on board with sports things. Um, 
You know, like I think everyone is kind of like, look, I'm at home. I could either choose to stay rigid in what I always do, or I could branch out to the few new experiences that are being offered to me, even if it's just like what my partner likes to do or what this other friend suggests. Like it's so easy in our normal life to be like, no, that doesn't fit into me. That's not what I do. And I think this is an interesting time that a lot of people are kind of reshaping who they are, what they can be open to, what they do for fun, and, you know, what they do for also, like, creative expression, because there's just, there's limits, so you have to find the freedom within those limits. Definitely. JD, how's it going for you? It's good. I mean, we we try to mix and match a little bit um, is regarding date nights specifically, mm-hmm. so... Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have any designated date nights per se, but um, we have like Sunday cheat days where we'll go do something fun for takeout. Um, Wednesday, we try to also do something um, in the food related category. Yes. That's very big in the Cuba household. Yes, food is big here as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So it's nice supporting local businesses in that way and even opting for pickup instead of delivery. I never thought I would say these things as like the form of excitement going on. (laughs) Um, But Dave's actually been very creative in some of his um, outing suggestions while still keeping us safe. So he had seen a friend of his on Facebook recently did house tours. Um, We're fortunate, the three of us, um, you, me, and Lauren, that we live in Los Angeles and that this is even really an option. But, you know, we live so close to um, houses that have been featured in in movies and TV shows that we love. And I've lived here 15 years and I've never just taken a few hours and gone and, and seen these houses. And Dave had this idea that he saw from his friend. And so we did a little date morning where we went out and we saw the house from Clueless and Back to the Future. And that was just sort of, um, there was a bunch of others and it was a really fun, um, I guess you could call it like a a date morning. That's really cute. I love that. And we're also in this, um, I don't want to say unique position because there are, I'm sure a lot of other people um, in our boat, but we've been married for a little over a year. We've been together for three. We're so excited to kind of embark on the journey that Lauren and and Matt have. And so we're also like actively trying (gasps) to expand our family in quarantine. And so that just creates a whole. That's great. That's the activity to be doing for sure. I have been trying to convince Matt to just let me, but he's not quite there yet. It's fine. Whatever. We'll get married. What? I said, if you need tips later, you know. Thank you. Yes, I will. That's very exciting. What a fun activity. I know too, like I, last week, my guests and I were talking because we got a listener question that was like, uh, what do I do with all my horniness and quarantine? And I know also a lot of studies have shown that people's libido is way down in quarantine because of like stress or I don't know, being around your partner too much or whatever it is, like being kind of trapped in. So I just want to say like for whoever needs to hear it, both are fine. Like if you're feeling like, yes, let's go. Great. And if you're feeling like, please leave me alone, find something else nice to do. And not only are both fine, both are normal. I think it would be strange if, you know, you were trapped in quarantine with your partner, whether it's a spouse or a significant other or otherwise, and you're just constantly wanting to tear each other's clothes off, that would also be like, hmm, this is um, a little bit different than any relationship because every relationship has its ebbs and flows in that way. Yes. Um, so yeah, absolutely normal, but definitely, you know, when you can spice it up, I think it's really easy to 
hey, like, I'm just going to wear sweatpants all day, every day. Um, and so even just like right now, because we didn't know if, if the podcast was going to be video recorded, you know, Lauren and I were joking that we both have lipstick on. Like, it's very that, exciting. That doesn't happen often in the Cuba household right now. So, you know, it's little things like that that you can do that are so small that can just sort of make one day feel a little less different than the next. Totally. I mean, I have my like nice sweatpants versus my bedtime sweatpants. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got to upgrade. I, uh, difference. I, yes. I won't even show you the bottom half of my body right now. <laughs> no judgment here. All bottom halves are accepted, <laughs> you know? Um, so you guys are, I'm glad to hear you're both doing well and handling it well. Um You guys are both do other, you work in entertainment, you both have other professions, but you, out of the love in your hearts and your desire to do good for the world, started a matchmaking company together um, that, as I understand it, is more as like a source of joy and pride for you guys, but also happens to make you some money because you're so good at it. And I have experienced myself success with with what you're doing right now, which is, and not myself, like I went on dates, but um, you're doing virtual matchmaking right now and you're doing it in a very unique way, which is matching people randomly. So people just get added to your database and then you match them randomly and set them up on dates and then they get a FaceTime call and they don't know who it is and they're just picking up and, and having a blind date, essentially. Yes, we're get, we are exchanging first names, and so and there's not a whole lot you can glean from that. Um, but yeah, I was very much inspired by um, both Warren and I are really into all of these like dating shows on Netflix, and Same. you yes. know, Love Is Blind, of course, was like a total train wreck to watch in some regards, but super entertaining. And at the end of the day, some people did find love, and just this idea that you know we have continued to do targeted matches for our clients in quarantine. So this is not the only way that we've been matching, but it's just another way to have human connection in quarantine. And at the end of the day, dating is a numbers game um, to some regard, and you never know. And I think people are more open-minded now in terms of what they're looking for in a partner than they ever were. If you are home alone in quarantine right now, are you going to say, oh, you know, I'm so glad I didn't lower my height requirement um, from six foot two to, you know, five foot eight. You know, we have clients that never would have considered partnering up or even going on a first date with someone who is lower than their desired height range, for example. But now they're sitting at home alone in quarantine. And I'm not necessarily attributing it to that rigidity in terms of height. But that's just one example. And now I think people are sitting at home. Um, if you're single and you don't have a roommate or you're not quarantined with family and you're going, huh, five eights looking pretty good right now. Yeah. I just want someone to be here to cuddle with and to make me laugh and to cook me dinner. And so, you know, hopefully in terms of dating, there's some positive things coming out of this quarantine and people are realizing with these more random and the connections we're making, they are randomized, but it is within one's desired age range. So there is some, you know, vetting in that sense. Um, But I think that they're experiencing these incredible connections with people that are going through this global pandemic the same way that they are. And even if it doesn't end up having any romantic chemistry on the other side of the screen, um, they're still seeing each other. But 
you know, there might be some sort of connection that's formed in terms of laughing about the situation or we, we had a client who got laid off recently and it was just such a joy to be able to laugh with somebody else mm. and take her mind off of it for a little bit, um, even though she didn't have chemistry with the other person. And so there's something to be said for just human connection and also learning more about what you're looking for in a partner and what's really important there. Totally. And you had, we had talked about this before where you were like, there are some matches happening that might not have happened under normal circumstances simply because people are more open than they normally are. And I think, again, like that's kind of what we were talking about with like Lauren, you watching your husband's movies. And it's kind of like when you don't, a lot of people's complaint about online dating or the dating world at large is there's too many options. Everyone has too many options. And even if they like you, there's nothing stopping them from swiping to the next person or assuming they can still meet someone better. And I think when our options are kind of taken away from us in a sense, I mean, yes, the the entire online world is still out there, but it feels a lot smaller, you know? And it, it, there's something with like, not making do with what you have, but being more open to things than you normally would be and feeling like, you know, it's kind of like now you go to the grocery store and if they don't have the exact brand of tortilla you're looking for, you'll probably go with whatever tortilla they have. I'm not saying settle, but I am saying maybe that tortilla actually tastes better. That's such a good metaphor. And it's so true because, um, you know, this was something that um, Aziz Ansari uh, covered in in modern is it modern romance was the yeah I think that yeah in his book he talks a lot about the fact that in our grandparents generation how most people ended up with somebody who lived in their building on their city block it was really unusual to end up with someone who was even from a different town mm. and now like you, you said there's so many different options but. At the end of the day, if you just took the time to get to know another brand of tortilla, yes, you would you would realize, oh, that actually, I like this brand of tortilla, and I don't need I don't need to try other tortillas. This is right. great. Right, right. Kind of what this quarantine is doing for us in terms of dating. I think so, definitely. I have um, a client, a coaching client who I sent to you who's super been enjoying the dates you've been sending her. She's like, it's so fun when my phone rings and like, I don't know who it's going to be. And there's this element of surprise to it too. I think that there isn't with normal online dating where we're overanalyzing everyone's profiles and we have way too much information like people are google image searching each other like baloney stuff like that that she's just like my phone rings and like i have to pick it up and spend an hour with this person and i think that's so great and she there's one guy she's met so far i don't think she actually met him through you but she's been you know dabbling in various ways and she met him online or something and they did a facetime date and she's like I've been giving him so much more of a chance than I would in real life because I can tell he's pretty introverted. And probably if we met on a first date at a bar restaurant, he would have been a lot more shy than he was when we're just like relaxed having a conversation while we're both at home having a drink. You know what I mean? For sure. I think that it's definitely, um, this is something that Lauren being married to more of an introverted type has has picked up on with our clients. It's just such a great time for introverts to shine. In terms totally. Of- yes. Because you're, you know, you're at home, you're relaxing. I said this about Love is Blind before all this happened, that I thought a big part of what made them able to get to know each other so well was that they could physically be in their own space and kind of be relaxed in their bodies in a way that we aren't always when we go on our 
first date and we're like very on and we're in like a crowded LA bar or whatever, you know. But when you can lie on your couch and control your own environment, I think introverts have a chance to shine and anyone who gets nervous on that first date situation. But then also people with stellar personalities that might be insecure about some aspects of their body. I think it's also uh, time for them to really come into their, their own. And they've been having a great experience with the virtual dating and cleaning up as well. Because I think what's also great about what we're doing with the virtual dating and how it's different than what we've been doing previously is before it was more one at a time. Well, it wasn't, it was like one at a time. Do you like this person or not after we set you up with them? But because people can't meet, we're doing unlimited dates unless people are like, I don't want to meet anyone else. And there are a number of quarantine couples that we now really good. I don't like, I don't want to meet anyone else, but for those that want to meet more people, we're offering that because it can't really be one at a time when people don't have the opportunity to meet each other face to face. Totally. Totally. And JD, you mentioned in terms of the body stuff too, you mentioned the height thing, which is always a huge sticking point for me when I get all these women mostly being like, I need someone who's six feet and above. You don't understand. And I'm like, no, you don't get to know them first. And I promise you won't care about their height. JD used to be a heightist. Really? Oh, oh yes. I, and this is something that we talk about with our clients or to our clients, because I was someone before my husband, I literally never went on a first date with someone shorter than 5'10". What was your justification for that? How tall are you? I'm five, I'm like five, two and change. You have no excuse. I have have no excuse. No excuse. I want to go back and just sort of slap my younger self for all of the I mean, at this point, it doesn't matter because I'm, I'm with, you know, my dream guy in the end, but I probably would have met some really fantastic people and made some really meaningful connections um, had I, I, I would have, frankly, swiped the wrong way on my own husband on a dating app because I had this notion in my head that I only could have chemistry with someone who was significantly taller and there was just something more masculine to me about that energy but when I'm with my husband and the first time um you know just being around him he is so charismatic and masculine like he just has he lights up a room I melt from his smile the last thing that I think about when I'm around him is our height and at the end of the day first of all five eight he He's more like five nine. Um, I have to say this, or he'll get angry later. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, we don't. I don't feel that at all. Like he could be seven feet tall in my mind because of how wildly attracted to him and passionate about him I am. So I, I really, I do feel like there are so many things that I was told growing up. You know, whether it was by my mother or by an older sorority sister who was like, "Oh, you'll learn one day, child. <laughs> like you'll learn." Yes. And this was one of those things, and I know that I can preach it to our clients, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if someone has this notion in their head that they're vision locked on, mm. it's going to be hard to break that unless they have their own personal experience and they sort of learn directly the same way I did. But, you know, my, my mom likes to say they all get fat and bald. <laughs> it's like the, the things that are important in life that I think moving forward from this, because the quarantine is not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. I hope people remember the feeling that they had of being single and being alone in a space in quarantine and wishing that they had someone. And I hope that they don't write a a potential significant other 
off as quickly as they used to over something so superficial. And Lauren and I know how important chemistry is. So I hope that people aren't listening and thinking, oh, well, they don't think physical attraction is important. We know how important it is. Mm -hmm. But I think some people, when you look at your own parents or grandparents or people that you know who are in happy relationships, how many of those people are with someone, if you had said to them when they were younger, draw a picture of your dream man or your dream woman who you think you're going to end up with? I think most people don't end up with someone who looks like that vision that they had in their head. Because at the end of the day, that's not what matters. Totally. I kind of did, but I was a little bit more open. (laughs) Yeah, wait, can you talk about, I actually wanted to ask both of you, so I'm glad this came up, how both of you, I love to like share success slash love stories. So can you each tell me how you met your husbands? Well, I met my husband on Match.com. Oh my God, shut up. Really? Yeah. Yes. Is that like old school? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I wish more people would try those kind of sites because I feel like they take more like time and consideration and they attract more like committed people than just the apps, which feel like a game sometimes. But I don't know many people who have actually done that. How what year one was that? Um, Like seven years ago, <sighs> June or July 2013. Seven year itch. There you go. Yep. Oh, boy. <laughs> Um, so the reason why I had actually tried match.com is because I was on JDate on and off for years, like since I was in college. So basically I I had exhausted Mm JDate. I realized that I had seen everyone on there. They had seen me. I had met half of them. So the pool was like drying up for me. So I signed up for match.com and I was just coming out of a whirlwind relationship with somebody that ended badly might have been even been a little bit of a me too situation with him now that I'm looking back at it and I was just determined to find someone who was for me and I lined up four dates with the only Jews that I could find on <laughs> match.com lined them up like back to back to back and then and did you have like physical requirements at that point or you were just like any Jews for match.com um, I like guys that are a little that that are like nerdy Jewish kind of not like nebishy though, but like yeah. almost nebishy, like kind gotcha. of like one of our clients described them as like pocket sized kinds of kind of guy, like like somebody you could look and you're like, okay, he's like a Jewish nerd, like a little bit emo. But then again, like I could totally go for somebody like Jason Momoa. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I mean, who wouldn't? You know, I'm not kicking him out of my bed. Of totally into that too. Yeah, but yeah. I definitely had a type. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I, I can show you pictures of 10 guys that I've dated, even 20. And then I kid you not, I did that once with somebody and they're like, wait, those were different, different guys. Oh my God. <laughs> like the person thought they were all the same guy. So it was just like a type that I have. Okay. So you set it up with four of these guys for a match. Yes. Back to back to back. Wow. How was like, did you walk into the date and be like, yes? Or did you walk into it and be like, whatever? Or like, what was your kind of what was the trajectory of attraction slash momentum for you? So I think he might have been instantly more into it than I was because when I entered the bar, Bar Covell, to be exact, Ooh, good one. was taken aback. Hmm? And he wanted to hug me. And I'm like, 
why are, why do you want to hug me? Let's, I, I like, I went in for the handshake. Oh my God. And he's like, no, let's hug. I'm like, okay, weirdo. Uh, <laughs> Had you guys like chatted before? Like, did you do chatting with these people before or you yeah. just didn't even? Well, he, okay. he, well, not with him, not with the others. With him, he wanted to talk on the phone oh, and good. he originally texted me, hi, Lindsay, want to hop on the phone in a few minutes? And I'm no. like, Dude, how many girls are you talking to? I'm Lauren. <laughs> I never heard that. That's amazing. That's amazing. I love it. So we did talk on the phone and I was a little deflated to hear that his dad wasn't Jewish, mm-hmm. but I was okay with meeting him in person anyway. And I was like, at least the mom um, is Jewish. But I would say we spent half of the date kissing. Like not even tipping, like making like. Yes, I'm telling you, I know people are uncomfortable and it's going to be particularly hard after what we're currently going through. But like, I just think the makeout on the first date is so important. I think it makes a world of difference. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I definitely think everyone should, if you're feeling it, go for it. Do it, even if you're like, 40% feeling it like you just have to find out the information you just have to get in there and do your research like do it and you might be surprised like sometimes people think they're not attracted and then they make out and they are sometimes people think they are and they make out and they're not so like you better find out yeah I definitely think it's a barometer temperature check so that's how we first met smooched all over yeah it was kind of easy from then on out and I think we became boyfriend girlfriend when I forced him to come with me to a premiere for a TV show that my company produced called Ghost Mine on Sci Fi Channel, super random. Um, and when I was there, uh, we were together, and an editor that I work with came up to us, and he was, and it was kind of like weird. He was like, "Oh, should I not be interrupting you guys? Like, sorry, like, is this your boy? Like, wait, wait, what did he say? He's like, oh, I'm sorry, am I interrupting like you and your boyfriend?" friend and I'm like well I don't know if he's my boyfriend are you my boyfriend and then it just got like really awkward (laughs) but then later on um Matt said remember when that guy whose name starts with an r his name was Rico um asked if we were boyfriend girlfriend and I was like yeah (laughs) and then he said you know and then Matt said I would like that I would like how long had you been dating like a month Nice. I think that's good. I usually tell people to wait three months, but I generally mean that in terms of like wait three months before starting to initiate those conversations. But if they come up naturally and it already feels like it's not really a question, I think that's okay. Yeah, I think three, a three month mark. It, I, I feel like if you have to have the conversation though, right. something might be off, but I yes. encourage people to have that conversation just so they can have closure and potentially end it. Exactly. But I agree with you. I usually think if it doesn't come up in that way, because it's going to come up if you're doing things in public together and making and like doing things with each other's friends, like getting to know each other's world, it's going to come up. And then the answer should be pretty obvious. And if it feels like we're always dodging around this question or it's never come up and I have no idea what's going on, like those are probably pretty good signals right there. Yeah, I agree. You know, and then here you are happily married. Oh, yeah. It took, a a baby. While, it took a while to get there because we met when we were young and Matt was figuring out his career and he'd been working on a video game that he created and developed and coded all by himself. So he's really career focused. Mm-hmm. So I. I had to trick him into asking me to marry him on a TV show that my company produced. Shut up. 
Yeah. We have to see this episode. It's amazing. What what TV show? So it's a digital series with Theo Vaughn called Man Up. Oh my God. Is it about getting guys to man up? Yeah, exactly. That's Shut up. And you made him that. go on it with you? Yeah, he thought he thought originally his problem was going to be his indecisiveness. But what's so cute about Matt is that he can be quite oblivious. So he never thought in his wildest dreams that we were going to expect him to propose to me. Did he actually propose to you on the show? Yes. Did he have a ring? Yes. Well, that's another thing, part of the indecisiveness is he had the ring for a while, right, Lauren? For a year, for a year. Though in like for a year? Yeah. Yeah, we oh got it God. together. I was really excited. Oh, you got it together. So you knew he had it. I knew he I knew he had it. And then there was one in he there were a couple times where he was going to potentially propose. But then I was very dramatic and made a stink and told him like don't even think about proposing because I knew at that point I needed the proposal on television. Oh so I think he might have done it when we went to Yosemite, but then he did something to piss me off. So I was like, don't even think about proposing. So like he, he did bring it that time. Oh and my God. Israel. And then he was going to potentially pr- uh, propose there, but then he thought that we weren't going to be alone, but then we were. There were just, don't think that I, <laughs> I mean, now everything's fine, but like there were times. How long were you together before you actually, before you bought the ring? Before maybe four years. Okay. This is a great, this is so much more of a story than I knew it was going to be. It's so great. You got him to propose to you on TV. I mean, immediately after this, I'm going to go watch that. Yeah, I hope you like it. It's so great. I love it. And I love you um, proving my point that like being an easygoing girl isn't always the best route. Sometimes a little difficulty and making a man man up basically to be with you is the right way to go like I I, you know I think a lot of uh women mostly in this day and age will be like I like I'm so easygoing I don't ask for anything like I haven't brought up future conversations like I'm being so good I'm on such good behavior and I'm like I'm not necessarily sure that that's what men actually want I think men want someone who makes them be more of a man and step up and prove themselves. And they don't want someone who's going to take care of themselves, them. I was going to say, I think they, they, they think they want an easygoing person, but what they need. Mm-hmm. And, you know, easygoing is great in some regards. Of sure. Course. Now in quarantine, easygoing is key. Oh, yeah. Very key. But, um, but yeah, I don't think, I think some people look at it as you're easygoing or you're difficult, right? right. But I think men, they want, they think they want someone to just, go with the flow 100% of the time, when in reality, knowing what you want and knowing your worth and making sure you're getting what you deserve is actually very attractive. In 100%. And being able to say, I need this from you. And if not, I know I can get it somewhere else. Definitely. And yeah. And not- I also think there's a difference between being low maintenance and like you could be low maintenance and be a go-getter in your relationship. Like if you're like super high maintenance and you're always nagging, like there needs to be like a little bit of a balance. Like I barely like shower, you know, I'm like very much like a hippie, (laughs) you know? So even though like I'm nagging my husband all the time and I made him propose to me, I basically proposed to him. 
Like, I'm still kind of low maintenance. Right. And I also think there's something low maintenance about being able to say what you want. Because when a man is always having to guess, because he knows you want something, whatever it is, he knows. And so if he doesn't know what it is and you're just not telling him, he's constantly on edge that he's failing you. And it's exhausting. Whereas if you're like, look, this is what I need and this is how I need it, then they can relax because you told them what you need. I tell people a lot when they go on a first date, that if there's something they need to be more comfortable, and this applies, I think, to this virtual dating as well, like, do it. If you're like, I would be more comfortable if I could lie down on my couch. I would be more comfortable in this bar if you gave me your coat or whatever. Like, ask for what you need so that both people can relax. You know, Dave is actually, he just walked in the room. I texted him to say that you were asking about our love story, like how we each met our respective partners. If you're interested at all, you could hear us both tell it. Let's together. do it. Tell it together. So I know that I know that you're not Hi. recording video, but I'll just show him to you. Oh, so you Hello. Whoa, you have a lot more hair than the last time I saw you. Oh my God, I got <laughs> he has a, a full hair. beard. And a beard that's really terrible. It Damn. Doesn't, it doesn't really connect. So that's why I've never grown it in my life. But I figure it now connects. It's oh, you mean it doesn't connect to your mustache? It's not like here, and it's, it's not here. It's interesting. It's very face framing. I'm trying to find out if, like, if I let it grow, maybe I can just comb it over, and I'll totally. Yeah, totally. My <laughs> fiance is also growing his hair, and it's terrifying. He's like, "You love it." I'm like, "No, no." She likes the beard, actually. I, I, I do like, like it. it, tactily speaking. But then when I get a good look at him from far away, I'm like, this is getting to be too much. I think I look like an Orthodox Jew, but I've been working on it a lot. And my <laughs> Oh my God, I'm thinking of the, I think of Netflix's Unorthodox right yeah, now. Unorthodox, like, you exactly. look like one of the people in it. You kind of I do. also feel like I've been trying to work out and I haven't been eating carbs this whole time. So I feel like I'm, survi- I'm on Survivor because I'm getting hairy. And, losing yeah. and then at the end, when I shave my face, we'll see how much weight I actually lost in my face. This is exciting. Wow. How are you surviving no carbs in quarantine? Like, if I didn't have carbs, I would just Sunday die. Day. We have Sunday cheat day. Okay. Although this week we're doing Saturday cheat day because we found out a lot of our favorite restaurants are not open on Sunday that uh-huh. we wanted to try. So, yeah. So that's how I'm doing it. But I, I actually think it probably was easier because there's less, like, temptation. Because we control what we bring into our world now instead of, like, being in a world, you know, where people are, like, serving bagels. That's true. I like that. Okay, let's hear your love story. I'm ready. All right. How should we how should we start? So I will say this is he's the only guy in my entire life that I ever asked out. But like back it up, back it up. How'd you like find him and stuff? Somebody I used to work with, um, a woman who used to work with me said, Hey, uh, do you know Lauren Rosenberg? And I said no. And she said, uh, she's a matchmaker and she has this partner and they're looking for good guys. And she I used to be her boss and she's like and I uh, referred you. Is that cool? And I said, yeah, that's, that's fine. And uh, it's nice when somebody you worked for, I mean, who worked for you, thought you were a good guy. That so is that's, nice. Uh, yeah, so he, he got referred to our company. So Dave was actually a client. And, and they he- told me they don't charge the guys. They just have to pay for the date, which I felt like, okay, I'll do that. That's yeah. kind of one of the selling points for me. That's what their business model works. That's how you get a guy in there. You don't charge them because they're like, oh, I have to pay for the date. Yeah, they're already paying for the date. So they're making an investment in the woman. And so, and also our our business model is really different from a lot out there and that the women don't 
they pay a nominal fee because it's our side hustle. I think from my perspective is that for guys, it's like weird. You're like, oh, I have these matchmakers, but I don't pay for them. Sounds a little less like you're like, oh my God, where's my love? But I'm <laughs> and I had to find matchmakers to help me find this love of mine on it. So it obviously is completely great and awesome. And I wish more men were open to the idea. Um, and there certainly are a bunch who break the stereotypes and we know some amazing matchmakers, you know, the three of us combined who do have other business models that work great for us just we, because it's not our primary source of income. And we've recognized that at least for the two of us, when we started the company, we just were not getting the good looking successful guys our women were wanting. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> I would have like, paid like To be honest, I would have paid after I met you guys and like, Oh. Like after a couple of times talking to you, I think the initial just like getting me in the door is like, what do I have to lose? And it's like, you know, I could have yeah. a lot of questions though. We like texted back and forth a little bit. Yeah. Why do you think guys are more protective? I, I do feel like that because, you know, I work for another matchmaking company, freelance, but I do feel like the guys are more protective when it comes to being brought in. They want to see pictures. They want to meet the matchmakers. They want a whole bunch of assurance. Whereas I feel like women are a little more like, I'll do it. Let's do it. Is that just like the shortage of men Mm. in Los Angeles? I think that as far as people craving photos, we definitely get a little bit more pushback from the men. Mm -hmm. But I think after they usually when they're referred to us because we're a referral only service, Um, It helps a lot because they know people who've had some degree of success through us. So there's a little bit of trust built. And, you know, we sit down, we talk to them, they get to know us. They really believe, which is the truth, that we're genuinely looking for a connection on all levels for them, including a physical one. And so we really get it. We really do ask probing questions about their type. Um, in Dave's case, we completely ignored it, but, um, <laughs> he, uh, I think men and women sometimes have a different idea of what an attractive woman looks like. And I think some men are worried of the, the, the differences of opinion. I get yeah, that. I this whole fear going into it that like, Oh, well, women think certain women are attractive, but do men really at the end of the day, um, we, tell people, give us a chance to set you up blindly. You know, we love to keep the matches as organic as possible. Um, think of it, think of us as like these old school yendas. We have a lot of non-Jewish clients too. So um, we don't really advertise like this whole like old school Jewish yenda thing, but th- you know, think of us that way. And you don't necessarily know going into a blind date what someone looks like, but we're keeping that in mind for you. And just like try it a couple times. And if the only reason that you're finding you're not connecting with a woman we're introducing you to is because of a lack of physical chemistry. Sure. Like we can have the conversation then about exchanging photos. Um, It's not just, you get to see her picture. She doesn't get to see yours. We'll, we'll have that conversation, but you know, trust in the process, give, give an open mind toward this, you know, for the first few setups and I have to tell you, um, and Lauren, chime in if, if you disagree, but I would say 90% of the guys, after they meet a couple women through us, they're like, awesome. You know, we, we trust in this, like keep sending more our way if it doesn't end up being um, a match across the board. But That's how we're telling our love story here. 
The date wants to get back to you. <laughs> no, we went on a tangent. I'm just trying to get you back on track. It's a podcast. A podcast is just all tangents. It's right? all tangents. We're here for it. We just went way down. Love you. <laughs> all right. He wants to get back to our. Let's get love. back. We need to hear this amazing love story. So Dave came to your guys's company and was like, "Hey, I'm a dude," and you were like, "You're free. We'll set you up." JD, at that point in your mind, were you like, "Hmm," or were you not like that at all? Yet. So I was not single when we sat down oh. and asked him questions. And so I wasn't thinking at all about myself. I was just thinking, this is a great guy, a great catch for some of our clients. And in fact, like had several different other women in mind. Who Yet, when Lauren had to leave, she lingered a little longer. She walked to the car with me. We had a talk. There was definitely a little bit of a, like, oh, at the very least, like this person's cool. I'll let him think. I connect. (laughs) This person's a cool person. No, I thought he was a cool guy. And Warren had to run a little early. And I do remember walking to to our cars together in the parking lot. And I was I did go home and like look her up on Facebook and see that she had a boyfriend. And we're like, whatever, that's good. She's my matchmaker now. So Yeah, but I definitely in sitting down with him was so excited to set him up with some of our clients. And Um, The way that I like to describe the kind of women that we were introducing to him is because I thought he was just like so cool and dreamy when we sat down. (laughs) No, but not for myself, like just in general. Yeah, not for myself, just in general, cool and dreamy. But I had, I had this. It's okay to be in a relationship and be like, this is somebody I would like if I was. Totally. It sounds like that was. <laughs> yeah, you no, make it sound like you were. No, but I don't really human. think that way. Like, I definitely, I'm sure, subconsciously was like, oh, if I were single, you know, this is the kind of guy I would be interested in. But it's not like, you know, that I think was in the far back of my mind, and it was definitely more so thinking of clients at the time actively. Um, I thought she was this like really cool hipster chick. She was something she was wearing and the way she described her life. And she was this writer on Salem. So I had this vision of her in my mind, which didn't turn out to be exactly who she was. But I feel like the actual her is better than the version of her I had in my mind. Isn't that but, always the truth? Yeah, I think I would have like the cool hipster chick is probably who I like. And when I was single, like, oh, that would be fun. like who I end up dating a lot. But the nice Jewish girls who I end up marrying, and yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. And it's uh, uh, babe, right, right back at you. So mm-hmm. yeah, we had talked about Lauren and I talked about with you recently the whole what you want versus what you need, and I think Dave is actually an amazing example of that. So when he sat down with us, he said he was looking for a non-Jewish, and he he's Jewish, um, a non-Jewish woman who enjoys a good cocktail or four. Four. He- <laughs> Or is important. And I want a Latina. Yes, he absolutely said that a Latina woman would be this huge bonus. Wow, how specific. Just called me at a time where I had I had met this woman who was actually like lives in Mexico and I feel like but that particular and it didn't work out because she lives in Mexico. So I think at that particular moment in time when you happen to meet me, that's what I was feeling at the moment. Yeah, and he was going to Coachella every year at the time. Mm-hmm. And then I think just in my mind, I was like, okay. This, you know, you, you listen to what someone says they want, and then you think about what they might need. And both Lauren and I, we did sort of have, and we don't feel this way with all of our Jewish clients. I don't want anyone 
listening to think like, oh, you're a certain race or ethnicity, so we automatically pair you with someone like that. Dave, on the other hand, there was something about sitting down with him that we were both like, this guy needs a nice Jewish girl. And I'm so a nice Jewish boy. He's a nice Jewish boy. Am I so, nice? <laughs> so we we did set him up with um, five incredibly just awesome, beautiful, personable, nice Jewish women. Um just totally ignoring what he said he wanted. Although his first match was someone Latina. Um, and you know, he just didn't feel chemistry for whatever reason. Um, he didn't find everyone personable, but then again, we, well, we also, Dave knows this. We, uh, get feedback on our male clients too. And maybe they didn't all find you as personal. I know, but it's interesting. Listen, one man's trash is another man's treasure. I found out my fiance went on dates with two of my closest friends before meeting me and they both were not interested in him. And if I had heard about him from them, I probably wouldn't have been either. It's funny because I think, you know, I probably went on a date and someone was like, eh, he was not the most personable or he wasn't this. It might have been because within five seconds, I was like, this isn't a match for me. So Sometimes when I know it's not a match, I'll have fun and start like talking about all my ailments and all my neuroses. <laughs> exactly. Because I'm, I'm just trying to be me and I got to entertain myself once I know this isn't a match. But yes. I will say something about that, which I tell people is if they go on the date and they know that they're not into the person, they should still put their best foot forward because they don't know who that person knows. Like if I, I actually did talk to one of my friends about my now fiance before meeting him. And luckily I already liked him by the time I figured out he was that guy that she had said, but she was not into him at all. And so I'm like, if people go on a date and put their best foot forward, that date might set them up with someone else. Or when they cross paths in the future, they'll only have good things to say about them as opposed to like, I would say that she did get the feedback from these dates. And despite whatever they said, she still wanted to go out. Well, she knew because she met you. And so she probably knew that you were just doing yourself a disservice on those dates on purpose. Because I was never not nice. I was just like, like, example, that that was like an example. Like, I just start talking about like neuroses and stuff that I never do on a first date. But like, hey, maybe this person will think I'm funny and they'll be entertaining, but won't want to date. But yeah, so so, um, that said, after these five setups, um, I think one actually did lead to a second date, but then fizzled out. A year and a half. I was always kind of very flirty, like over, just like having fun, not like trying to do anything with it. But like, just because I thought she was cool, I would like, when we were, you know, writing back and forth about the dates, I would try to be funny and stuff. He was very cheeky in his feedback. Were you super professional? I feel like you're super professional. At one point, I was, like, feeling bad because it was, like, the fourth date, in a, or not fourth, but, like, second or third, and I was just, like, not feeling it, like, attracted, and I wanted to be, I was said something like, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't want to be difficult, like, I have a type, like, someone cute and little like you. Not that I, and I wrote this all, like, verbatim, like, not that I want to date you, and not that there's anything wrong with you, I just mean, like, someone just like you, this is it, like, I just went on the phone. You rambled, and then... I rambled, but, like... Could have edited it. But yeah, I, you could you I could delete you could delete an email flirty. before hitting send. He sent it, um, and you asked if I was professional. So I was in a relationship at the time, and even though he wasn't, you know, explicitly saying anything, he did in response to a date say, "I'm just looking for someone a little bit like you." You know, like basically saying he thought I was cute, and I said I didn't. You know, um, I wasn't fully transparent with Lauren. I didn't say Lauren, Dave said this to me, but I did for the next setup of his say, Lauren, I'd prefer that you take 
the reins on this one. Um, and I sort of just stopped becoming like point person on his matches because um, for me, when I'm in a relationship, I'm very laser focused and whatever I thought of him as a person and as a catch, um, I did think it was like a little bit inappropriate. And I know he was a little. That's now, how I knew you'd be a good wife. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I basically. But Lauren started emailing me exclusively where for a long time it was like JD was the most was, was the one who was usually talking to me. So I wrote to her like, did you trade me? Oh, <laughs> he wrote that. And, you know, I. I didn't, I was, I was really like, worried that I came up, like I was just trying to be flattering, but also specific to what I would want to date. And then I was like, oh, did I offend her? Was I weird? Did I cross a line? But I mean, uh, it's always awkward when guys use us yeah. as barometers exactly. of what they want to date. And I get super offended because usually guys say they want someone more like JD than someone like me. And then <laughs> there are some times when they say that in front of us and I'm like, JD, I hate him. You're setting him up from now on. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice that you have each other that you can do that for sure and listen i i'm brunette lauren is blonde sure i you know have uh well i was gonna say the size of my boobs but my parents might listen to this so mm. um let's just say lauren's are bigger you know like we, <laughs> there's different things that we offer in terms of physical appearance different yeah. personalities so, i get it i yeah, have friends who are exclusively big boobs i like little boobs like my wife's oh that's <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, at the end of the day, you know, Lauren and I, um, before we were married, or even when you are married as a matchmaker, when you're sitting across from someone of the opposite sex, and they're saying, and even if they're not talking about you, they're like, oh, like, I like, I prefer a more fuller figure woman, or I prefer someone taller, like, whenever it's something that you are not, there's always like a tiny piece of you. And I don't know if you experience this, Dahlia, but there's, yes, always, I do. yeah, there's always a tiny piece where you're like, Huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Just like when you tell me most of your clients don't want to date anybody under five nine, I'm like, what? We were talking awesome about that. You, yeah. Nine. It's yeah. upsetting. I get people often uh, who will have very strong feelings about redheads one way or another. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, either whatever you're saying, you're wrong. Like, people are like, yes, congratulations. I really want one. If I don't get one, I'm sending it back. <laughs> wait so let's get to the let's fast forward okay let's go back to the story to yes your yes. part and say meanwhile and i'll say what was going on in my life at the time. clearly we've been in quarantine a long time because we have not shared this story for a while and he's just so excited to get back to it so i'm just excited to get back to what i was doing uh-huh, is that so? <laughs> so yeah so i don't want to bogo a year and a half after um we had been setting him up and the whole like incident happened where he had emailed me saying like oh i want someone like you and i passed him off to lauren i did get one time where i you asked if i wanted to go on a date and i said my aunt had set me up with somebody i was kind of wanting to see how that go and you were kind of like you're kind of like okay and then the next time you hit me up we we're like so did your aunt set you up with somebody nice recently like you were a little jealous I thought. Uh-huh. at that point i think i had become single and i was sort of gauging if he was available because yeah. i was emotionally at a point where i was ready to meet the right person and i broke up with their you and your boyfriend yeah we had been broken up for a bit and i just couldn't get dave out of my head it was a crazy thing where he just kept creeping in there and it's that's not you were like a particularly pivotal point in a relationship when i happened to send you some sort of email that was like nice and you that's where your mind was like huh Right, you were like. Are you talking of, about the one that you were referring to? The, you were in your Hawaii. Email? He, yeah, he's. That's when he. I was 
yeah, but I, I became oh, so single when you traded me to Lauren, you're saying is when you were like, you traded me because you, when I said that, you liked it. He, yeah, when he called me cute, I was like, I don't think that's appropriate. And regardless of like whether I think he's a good catch or not, you know, that's it's, I don't think it's appropriate. And so, so what I was became, the point when you were like, I love Josh? <laughs> so when I became single, it, you know, it wasn't like a specific moment. I just found myself thinking about you a lot. And, you know, I had spent the last, you know, six years now total helping other people find love. And when I became single and found myself thinking about someone so much, I was like, you know, I owe it to myself to explore that. And um, a friend of mine, Logan in New York, um, joked about getting high on my own supply, you know, by asking Dave on a date. That's so, hilarious. But yeah. Wasn't the impetus that somebody, another client was like kind of interested in you and Lauren said something like? Not exactly, no. Well, because he was, because he was more in your height requirement. So I was really surprised when you had asked me about Dave. Lauren, I thought it was so hard and fast, the rule. Yeah, I had, um, I was a heightist as, as we've all covered. Mm-hmm. And I had gone to Lauren because I knew that I wanted to explore something with Dave. And when I told her, I was nervous about telling her I was single because um, as a matchmaker, it's it's difficult to be single in matchmaking. You want your clients to believe that, hey, if you can't find it for yourself, how are you going to find it for me? Right. And so it was a conversation that I was actually a little, I don't know if, Lauren, if I've ever told Lauren this afterward, but I was a little nervous about telling her and how it would reflect on our company. And the first thing that I, you know, when I told her that I was single, she was so supportive. And she said that she had someone in mind for me to meet. But it was somebody else who wasn't dating. Not me. And I knew this whole like getting high in your own supply. I knew I couldn't just start like dating our own client. Well, that, in talking about unprofessional, that would be the most unprofessional thing to do. So I knew I could only do it once. And I said to her, like, Lauren, I have a confession. Like, the guy you're telling me about actually is, he sounds like everything I'm looking for, but I can't stop thinking about Dave Kuba, and I just kind of have to scratch that itch. Oh, my gosh. I had, most of my friends were married, had, like, a kid or two at this point. And for the last couple, and this was the case, the kid or two were, like, starting to be toddlers. And for the last couple years, like, this one thing that I always look forward to was my weekend at Coachella, something that is so un-JD here. Um, and it was like the one weekend where I was like, see, I'm free and I'm single and I don't have kids and it was fun. And I went and like didn't have the best year and realized there was a lot of high school kids and just felt like, oh man, like I'm ready for the next step. We need to life. send all the single men in LA to Coachella so they can have this experience and come back changed. I think the year before I had a great time and was like, this is awesome. And then that was the year where I turned a corner and I came back and I actually, I developed unscripted shows like Lauren and I had this dating show uh, that was airing and I was watching my own show and it's a lot of romance and love in that show right after coming back from Coachella and thinking like, holy crap, like I really need to like find someone and find my wife and move on with my life and get to the next stage. Randomly that day, JD emails me and says, hey, are you still single? And it was weird because I was going to hit her up and I was thinking I should hit up those matchmakers and see if they've got any good matches for me. I haven't heard from them in a little bit. So she hits me up and says, are you single? Yeah, the subject line was checking in. And I just said, are you you still single? Or no, I said, how's the single life treating you? Mm -hmm. 
And um, and I responded with that whole diatribe. Oh, I just went to Coachella. Yeah, to I'm watching Coachella. this dating show, and I'm I'm ready to for the next step in my life. I think, but what does that mean? And, and I said, it means you should take me on a date. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> and I read text like I'm out walking, and I'm like, I had to like look at it twice. I'm like, wait. She said, it means you should take me out. And I had to read it twice to be like, wait, did she ask me out? I thought she had a boyfriend. She's my imaginary girl. This is real. And I was very excited about it. And she said something about it being unprofessional. And I said, oh, yeah, I said, P.S. I'm aware of how unprofessional this email is. And he wrote back that he was reporting me to the Better Business Bureau. (laughs) By the way, I'd make the argument of like, if you're seeing a matchmaker and you want to believe they have this amazing like a uh, group of clientele that they can have, hook you up with and they're single themselves and they can't find anybody having meeting all these great people. Like it's, it's kind of actually a selling point. I think in a way it's like, we have so many great guys. We have somebody for everybody. That's how I found my husband. Right. Like, totally. You got to believe that, you know, so I didn't think, yeah, it was I think a, it's less of a reflection. I didn't find the, it professional, but also I was the one getting a date out of it. Sure. So. I think it's less of a, if for the single matchmakers out there, I do think it's le- it's less of a reflection on them and more of a reflection on just not having met the right person yet, just to sort yeah. of counter what you're saying. Because I think maybe we wouldn't, if we didn't have great guys in our database, I wouldn't have met you. And so I think it's more a reflection on just having the exposure to the right people. Totally. It's a numbers game. And she Definitely. drank a cocktail on her date very slowly. And at the end, she admitted to me that she had never been drunk. And I was like, why are you telling me this now? And she's like, cause you told me you wanted a girl who likes a good cocktail or four. Oh <laughs> <So>. my God. <laughs> I so love I, this. Cause it's such a story of two people that on paper. Like a romantic comedy. Like a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We did not, we make sense when you boy, and this is sort of to, I think nicely circle back to how this podcast started mm-hmm. and talking about people in quarantine and realizing with a future partner, what's really important and what they're looking for. Dave was looking for someone potentially Latina and not Jewish who drinks and goes to Coachella. But at the end of the day, we make each other laugh. We have right. the same values. We, we get each other. We're there when the other person, you know, needs. my mom really likes her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the, that was superficial stuff. Yeah. The things at the right. end of the day that like Dave is a perfect person to speak to and myself included these these superficial things like someone over six feet like things that we thought that we needed in a partner and just couldn't be happier and are so excited about the next phase of our lives and mm-hmm. we just we you are a quarter have, portuguese though so you're kind of latino I, I am a quarter it's true portuguese. at the end of the day he won <laughs> hey, I got it all. Yeah. yeah so i think you that's know, our love story one quick antidote an addendum an please. please in high school I was in the play Hello Dolly, which I don't know if you know the plot. But of course I know it. Hello. She sets Horace Van, she's a matchmaker. She sets up Horace Van de Gelder with that crazy woman so she could sleep, swoop in and oh. be like, oh, you should date me. And that was in my head. And one of the, a show I created for VH1 was called Making Mr. Right. And the premise was three this, women. This is actually, I want, I want you to slow down for a second because this is very bizarre. Yeah. And I feel like, so... He wrote his own love story years before we met. I know, but I want to tee it up because I I feel like you're excited and you're, but I want people to like actually hear what you're saying because it is insane. So go ahead. I had, after thinking about Hello Dolly, I 
came up with this show that was on VH1 that not a lot of people watched, but I actually think it turned out well. So if you can dig it up somewhere, check it out. No, just, uh, anyway, there is a, the, the plot was three women working with a real matchmaker, pretending to be matchmaker, and it was called Making Mr. Right, and they sort of, like, got in there and gave them advice, but, like, at the end were like, I'm not really a matchmaker, and I love you, and <gasps> then that was the premise of the show, and it ended up kind of, It ended like, up happening. You manifested it. Yes. I did not know that he created Life show. Life imitated art. I told her that on our first our date. Our first date, I was asking him about shows he created, and I was like, what are you talking about? So maybe I, everyone, every girl needs to be like, hi, because sometimes I do this for my clients, because I'm not a matchmaker, I'm a coach, but I'll reach out to people they're interested in and just be like, hey, like I have a client who's looking, da-da-da, but what if that was me? Maybe yeah. that's what people need to be doing, is pretending to be a matchmaker. Because there's also some sort of like, you know how people fall in love with their like therapist or teacher or like whatever person that they can't have who's like helping them. But the best moment of this whole thing was about a year. I didn't think anybody really watched that show. And like a year or so, like after we got together or when we were engaged or something, she was telling somebody how we met. And they're like, that's like this show on VH1. And I was like, she came home and told me that. I was like, somebody watched. (laughs) Thank you for that story. That was beautiful. Yes. We're keeping you out now. Right, Goodbye. Thank you. That was um, but great. yeah, the, the moral of this is um, watch Man Up on Comedy Central with Theo Vaughn to see Lauren's proposal. I'm going to watch that. Deep into the archives and check out uh, Making Mr. Right on VH1. I love this. I love how into the dating TV you ladies are because so am I. Um, okay, so we got both of your love stories. That was great. I think there were a lot of good lessons learned there. Let's talk a little bit uh, about... so getting back to the virtual dating, plus all of your experiences in your own life and your experiences with real life matchmaking, what are some like key tips, do's, don'ts, or like ways to enjoy the virtual dating thing? Just what have you kind of like learned and gained from this experience that you would tell people? Well, I think that because people have a lot of time on their hands, there's more opportunity to stalk. Mm. Like there's also opportunity to focus more on the personality, what you're really looking for as opposed to the looks, but then people have a lot of time on their hands to also do research. And I Mm -hmm. would really advise people against going down that rabbit hole and trying to get to know people and also not to overthink it because now we have so much more time to like think. We're not distracted by work as much. We're not distracted by like being in the car. We're not distracted by doing errands anymore. Um, so I would tell people not to over search for somebody and not to overthink it now that you have all this time on your hand. Totally. I would agree. I mean, I tell people that in regular dating, I'm like, you don't need to know everything about a person before you meet them. Let's pretend it's the olden days. That said, how do you guys feel about, um, people following each other on various social media platforms, either before they've met or like once they've gone on one date or something, I feel like people get themselves into a lot of trouble with that. What do you think? Oh yeah. We, I actually, we have a client who really hit it off with a guy recently on a, on a randomized virtual date and they're planning to talk again. And she hit me up because she's someone that I um, am friends with as well. And she said, Hey, like I checked out his Instagram and a, like if you scroll through it, dating back to a year ago, he still has all his pictures up of his ex. Mm. Is he not over her? And, you know, we had a nice conversation about like what that could mean or what it can't mean. And 
what to read into or what not to read into. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, like, I don't necessarily believe that's something that someone should even have access to that early. Um, But the truth is it's out there and it raises several questions and points. Like, um, should you be more mindful this day and age of your social media and questions that it can raise about um, like if you, I forget at what point it was when Dave and I first started dating where he was like, you know, you still have all your pictures of your exes on your Facebook. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm so over it that it didn't even occur to me to delete it. It's like history. It's like, oh, it's in my history, you know? Exactly. But there's some people that stuff like that bothers and it raises questions. And so I think people should be mindful about their social media and what it can convey. Like, I think a lot of people don't even know what comes up when they Google themselves. Um, And so it's, it's kind of cool to sort of look into hey, if a single person's trying to date me, what are certain things they'd read into my life? But then on the flip side, um, about trying not to read into things and trying not to build preconceived notions on things that are not properly contextualized. And so it's it's a weird time right now. And I think people have a lot of time on their hands and there is that natural instinct when you know someone's full name to want to know everything about them that's out there. But Lauren, you know, Lauren and I believe a lot in just people meeting organically and getting to know each other and trying to erase those those notions from their mind and build a fresh opinion. Yeah. No, I like that tip a lot. I think that's really smart to try and distract yourself from your impulses. If you have impulses to stalk someone, like maybe stalk yourself and clean up your what you're finding instead. Like put your energy into making all your stuff look you know how you want it to look rather than putting energy into finding out what someone looked like in sixth grade what's another give me another one what's another good one that you've learned from this experience that you would say to people going on virtual dates there are a lot of people who are I think people need to act more like they would on a typical date Mm. even when you're in the comfort of your own home and you know what if you want to wear pajamas like that's fine too but as far as behavior when you're interacting with someone I think there's still a certain level of respect that I don't think people are realizing is not being properly conveyed in a virtual space. Um, I think people need to be aware of their surroundings, like what's behind them on a screen. I think there are a lot of people who have distractions on the computer. If you're at a bar with somebody and you're grabbing a drink, you know, you're probably not going to turn and start talking to the person next to you. You're probably not going to play with your dog or check your cell phone unless the person goes to the bathroom. There's definitely people who are not sort of maintaining that same level of respect. And inadvertently, you know, there's a, their phone is like, ding, ding, they're getting text messages. And instead of waiting until the date is over to look at it, they're like on their phone, typing things on their computer, instead of giving the person the undivided attention that they deserve, whether there's a connection or not. You know, I think it's just um, basic courtesy. And the same thing with the the length of the date. Mm. Um, we have some couples that have hit it off so well. They've had a four-hour virtual conversation for their first meetup. But then there's others where we've had a situation with a female client where if she logs on and sees that it's someone she's not going to have physical chemistry with, she'll end the date. Like, she'll make up an excuse of like, oh, I'm not feeling well or whatever it is after like, 10 minutes and you would never do that I hope um in person and so we're just encouraging people to afford the same level of courtesy and respect that they would 
if they were to meet this person in real life as well. Because this is real life. It's just at home. And I even find like some people are saying, you know, after having done this a few times that even going forward in the future, when regular dating is back, that they're going to incorporate these FaceTime dates beforehand, because they're actually a great way to get to know someone and they are real and you do get to see someone, how they behave when they're surrounded by all these distractions and when they have the choice about whether or not to like designate the time and the focus to you. I yeah, think we have some clients that prefer the virtual dating, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dating in real life. Cause you know, some of them are introverts right. and they get really nervous when they're meeting somebody in person. So, I mean, we'll, JD and I will have to discuss how we're going to move forward once quarantine is over, but some women have requested that they want to do it more often than meeting up with people in person first. Yeah. How do you guys feel about that? I feel like, because some people are like, I like it because then I don't have to like get all dressed up, go to this place and commit like two hours and all this time and money and whatever to going. There's a part of me that says to that, like, okay, but you should still do it. And then there's part of me that gets it. That's like, I get that it can be disappointing to get all dressed up for a two hour date, show up and know you're not interested. I mean, I'm all about the in-person. I'm an in-person person. Like these Zoom sessions, I like know. all the like, Zoom parties that people are doing and they're screenshotting their Zoom parties. Like, mm-hmm. even though I felt very left out because I was not invited to any Zoom satyrs. Oh my God, you like, could have come to I, mine. I, I am next year, if, if there are Zoom satyrs going on, I would love an invite. I can't guarantee I will actually show up, but I'm just, I'm not into it at all. However, I'm projecting how I feel about the world and interacting with people. Mm-hmm. That's because I personally think in person is the best way to meet someone. It might not be the best for other people. Do you like the idea of people being able to vet each other virtually before going on a real life date? Or do you think that might cause some sort of disservice to the people? Well, I think some of the hangups that our our clients have is that they're so nervous that they're not going to have that same chemistry they have with someone virtually in Mm. person. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a that's a concern where, you know, these we can line up virtual dates, but I still don't think it's going to guarantee these people are going to hit it off in person. So maybe and I have to talk, but I I think in person is the best, even if it is my projection. I agree, too. I do think there there's something to be said for doing a case by case basis, because there are some women who for whatever reason, um, have not been shining as much on a first date um, outside of quarantine Hmm. and are just really thriving um, doing these virtual dates at home. Wow. You know, we're here to help our clients um, individually. And so we're in everyone's corner. We're there to make them a better dater and to help them find love. And I would say, and, you know, we'll talk about it, but for, for the few that make such a good first impression for whatever reason, virtually, maybe it's not the worst before their first date to do it. I do agree with Lauren that um, across the board as a whole, we would much prefer that someone experience that energy in person um, because really that's ultimately the true test. Mm-hmm. First impressions are really important, um, you know, but there might be a small handful where, we would tailor matches a little bit differently for them based on how much they've been thriving in quarantine. And that goes for some of the men as well. We've been so pleasantly surprised by some of the guys that for whatever reason haven't been shining in person, but yet in the comfort of their home, maybe you're feeling a little more confident or just coming across in a way that's more attractive 
to our female clients. But I also think the virtual dates are a double-edged sword. Um, in terms of hair and makeup, like we, we talked mm. about, oh, saving the time of not having to get dolled up. We had a female client recently call me after her date and she was just, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't shower before. I didn't really do a lot of hair and makeup and he was so hot. I just figured he wasn't going to be that cute. Oh, and she was all like worried. It, it was fine because they had, you know, it ultimately, um, I think she still came across great. But we've also, you know, so that, that would be a check, like a tick in the box of you should do your hair and makeup also for a virtual date. But then on the flip side, we had a female who did, got all dolled up, was super excited to meet someone. And then the guy canceled like an hour before something came up for work. And she she understood, but was like, oh, my God, I haven't done my hair and makeup in quarantine at all. And I finally did. And it was for nothing. You know, so these it's a, a little bit of a double edged sword. And it's also a case by case basis. And I think we'll definitely reevaluate when this is all over. But I think at the end of the day, when you are with someone, that relationship is in person. And yeah. so what better way to really get to know someone than meeting in person? But I do think if you can, I find that like if you can connect in this way too, like if you can have a good conversation, you know, and build kind of a communicative relationship or friendship before being able to meet in person, that can also work out well too. But I think, you know, obviously, eventually you have to get in person together to find out if there's something really there. You can't carry on forever like this. Yeah. If you're the type of person, male or female, who wants to have prior to quarantine, oh, I need to talk on the phone before mm -hmm. feeling comfortable to go on a date with someone. And with us, it's a little bit different because we know both parties, we can vouch for them. But if you're on Match.com or you're on Tinder and you're craving a phone call before, maybe you change it and it's no longer a phone call, but a Zoom date or FaceTime date before deciding if you want to meet up. I do think with our service, it's a little different because we do a little bit of that vetting for you ahead of time. But I definitely think virtual dates are a great replacement for just a phone call moving forward. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you feel? Because I know some people, I've been reading some articles about the whole Zoom exhaustion thing too. And in some cases they are saying, you know, just because we always can do video doesn't mean it's necessarily better. Like there's something about the phone that maybe will allow you to focus more or relax more, not be so caught up in the visual and I probably obviously not for a first date, but I do think like if people go on a good first FaceTime or Zoom date, they're gonna do they're gonna talk again. It might be nice to kind of mix it up with some phone calls too, because then you just you just get to relax a little more. You're not it's there's something so performative about mm -hmm. the Zoom and you know, people do have to try really hard to keep their attention when they're on their computer. I read another thing that suggested, you've probably heard this tip, but I th thought it was great. Um, putting like a post-it or something over your own image when you're on a Zoom call meeting date so that you're not constantly watching yourself. Because if you are on a real date, you would be present with that person. You would be watching them. You would not be aware of what you're looking like at every moment. And we all are just looking at ourselves. And I, I, they say it I, takes some of the exhaustion away if you're not having a constant like mirror of yourself. But people like looking at themselves. 
but we should take it away from them. <laughs> people like a lot of things that are not good for them. But for people that are nervous, it could it could help them. I mean, that's why you have like mirrors in, in elevators, right? Because you, you're like, oh, I'm passing the time. I don't even know how long it's taking me to get to the penthouse when I'm looking at myself. Right, but what if you're on a date and there's a mirror across from you at the table? I hate that. I find that incredibly distracting to be so aware of what I'm doing. Like, it's nice to be able to check in and be like, okay, I look okay. I don't have anything on my face. But then I do think it's like this weird additional thing that we don't have on real dates. On real dates, we have to be present with the other person. We're not looking at ourselves the whole time. I love it. I actually hadn't heard that tip before and may start for certain clients who I think tend to be distracted by it. I do agree with Lauren. There's definitely some benefits like, oh, my God, I have something in my nose. I'll handle that situation, you know, really quickly. Um, It probably would be mortifying if you had to post it over your face the whole time. And it turned out that there was like a situation happening that you were. But what if that happened on a date? You wouldn't be able to do anything about it. Don't you wish you could have? Yeah, I guess that's true. (laughs) But I do agree with you that, um, you know, maybe maybe peek under the post-it like once in a while. But if you could keep your attention there's also with Zoom, you know, there's like speaker view and gallery view. Mm-hmm. And so um, oh, that's I'm, yeah, I'm always really tempted to like, I have you all in gallery view right now because I do want to look at myself while I talk to you both. <laughs> um, but, um, but no, I think that speaker view also will help sort of keep the, the focus on the other person, especially when they're talking. That's a good tip too, speaker view. Do you have a preference Zoom or FaceTime for dates? No. Zoom uh, has the has the um, tweak your appearance option. Yes, I was going to add that. Yes, go to oh, your settings, Lauren. touch up your appearance. I did it. See how but soft you know my face looks? Lauren doesn't even need it. She's backwards. So She's nice. backwards and she looks now. beautiful. But there's a touch up your appearance, which I recently discovered. I think it just kind of like smooths you out. It's like the Paris filter on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's great. So people yeah, could use that. Nice a fan of that for sure. That's a that's a vote for Zoom. What do you say to people? So you said you have a few people who are like, I don't need to meet anyone else. Um, one, do you think that's wise right now? Two, when they haven't met in person. Two, if people have been on like two, three, four virtual dates, they've gotten to know each other really well and they're getting to the point. Because I have some clients that are like, what if I go on virtual dates and I like the person and then what do I do like where does it go from there because I can't meet them do they just keep talking or are they like okay we know we like each other talk to you again when this is over like how how do people continue to kind of like grow something when they can't actually meet in person and I could imagine that getting frustrating we can't legally condone it for liability purposes but we have had some clients take it upon themselves if they have been talking a little bit and they just They want to get it out of the way. Like, am I really going to be attracted to this person or not? Go on a social distancing walk. Mm -hmm. Um, So they are still six feet apart. They're in masks, but they are seeing like, oh, that's what this person is like. And they kind of talk to each other from across the street or whatever it is. We can't um, push that. But I know that that some of our clients have either found success through that or, or met up and were like, oh, we actually don't have chemistry but in terms of everybody else not doing that and in terms of what we do recommend, um, again, honestly, it's a case-by-case basis. We have some people who feel such a strong connection and want to talk all the time. And maybe both people sort of have that passion 
um, passionate intensity at the beginnings of relationships where they just want to, they're all about each other and they want to explore that. And look, we have free time on our hands. Why not really, really get to know someone? Um, But then we also have some clients who have been turned off by that intensity Mm -hmm. where, you know, they had a great connection and I wish had just tabled it until after this all blows over and got to know each other organically, but they ended up blowing it for one reason or another, because they weren't maintaining that connection in a way that was like the healthiest version. And so we have some clients where I would never tell them like, stop talking, wait until after this is all over, because it's been so beautiful to see the connections they're forming. But then we have other clients where I'm like, okay, next time you have a connection with someone, I'll let them know, hey, like this person really likes you. I'll set up drinks for you when this is all over because it'll shine better that way. Exactly. I have told some people like, okay, like at this point, you probably just want to say, let's talk when this is over because I think it can, you know, it's a similar thing with regular dating where it's like, how much do you have to talk before you're going to meet each other? You know, if you know you're not free for two weeks, are you expected to check in every day or, you know, how much are you getting attached to the idea of this person before you're actually meeting them in person? And and is that a good idea to invest that way? For sure. How do you recommend people follow up if they have? So I know you guys probably follow up for them, but how, if people had a good time on a date and they want to follow up or want to suggest another date, do you have suggestions for fun kind of virtual dates that people do? people do fun things? Sure. I mean, I think it depends how they connect initially. If they were on FaceTime, then they already have each other's phone numbers. If it was a Zoom date, then the same as meeting someone in person, you should ask for their phone number, take it to the next level, so to speak. But in terms of actual dates, um, Dahlia, I feel like, were you on the matchmakers meetup where we were talking about the takeout option. Yeah, where you can order for yeah. each other. That's cute. I think that's I really that cute. That was super cute, you know, ordering from the same restaurant and they can talk about the food the way that they would if they were. I The way that Lauren and I have been thinking about it and recommending to clients is whatever you would be inclined to do with your partner or potential love interest in person, find a creative way to harness that and do it in the comfort of your own homes. If you would go on a hike with them, maybe do like a fun workout together in your living rooms um, that you're, you know, Zooming or whatever at the same time. If you want to go out to eat, do that takeout version or maybe send a bottle of wine to her house. Yeah, enjoy the together. Um, If you were going to go to the movies, then do Netflix watch party and and talk about the film. You know, you, you can't hold hands. You can't sneak stuff like that in. But I think as much as you can help normalize the situation for the other person, you'll really grow together as a result of that. Totally. And what's your, what do you say to people? Because I have some clients like this, I don't know if you do, but who are like, I just, I'm burnt out on the Zoom thing. I don't want to date people. I'm not at my best right now. What do you, when is the time to kind of say it's okay to not do this and when is the time and similar question in terms of people who are a little more shy or get nervous doing this kind of thing it's not their ideal medium how do you encourage those people but then how do you decide when it's like okay you know what actually just take a break until this is over well I've actually convinced people who are normally shy and don't put themselves out there to try our virtual dating because 
it's a way to get your your feet wet and mm -hmm. get a taste for what our service would would be like in person so i think introverts i mean of course like it, if you don't want to be a part of this, if you don't want to go on Tinder, like from what I've heard from my friends who are single, the reason why they love our virtual dating is because guys aren't stepping up on the apps. Right. They're, they're chatting with them, kind of wasting their time, not taking it to the next level to FaceTime or Zoom. But I would really encourage people that do have trouble taking it to the next level on apps and meeting people in person to test out what we're doing with the, with the virtual dating because it's just like, it's a tinier step than what it would take to date in, in real life. Totally. I think that moment that my one client who's worked with you guys talked about of her phone ringing and not knowing who it is, that's probably the scariest moment. And after that, it's kind of like fun, you know, it's like just jumping in and doing it. What's the worst that can happen? You have an awkward conversation and you go back to watching Netflix. Yeah, I think you, the qualms that you were talking about people having with it, are actually quite different from each other. So there are people who are shy and are afraid to try it. And then there's people who are genuinely struggling with what's going on in life yeah. right now. And I think our advice to those people would be different. I think if you're shy, 99% of the introverts or people who are nervous about virtually dating who've tried it through us have written back to us after saying, oh my God, I was so scared right before. I was so nervous but I ripped off the Band-Aid and I, I'm excited to try it again. Mm -hmm. That's really been the, the feedback we've gotten from the shyer types. Um, but if somebody, we have had a few clients who they wake up one day that they're supposed to have the date and they're like, you know what? I'm feeling really down today about life and just the situation and people are getting laid off. And it's just, it is, I think we have to acknowledge the state of the world right now and how people do process that differently. And I think it's like meeting someone in life, you don't want your first impression to be dragging them into a negative space. And I think if someone is, is self-aware enough to know that they're going to be bringing that energy to the date and they're not able to set it aside, then rescheduling or waiting and, you know, waiting until they're in that right headspace mm -hmm. would probably be the way to go because they're just going to self-sabotage without even trying to. Totally, totally. And I often, you know, people will say things like, well, I'll be ready to date when I lose this much weight or, you know, get my skin better, whatever. And I'll, I'll push back on that. But I do think that this is a moment where everyone should listen to themselves and like, yes, challenge yourself to have new experiences when you feel up to it. But some days you're just not going to and that's okay, too. Yes, it's I, yeah, I think it's all okay. I do think having insecurities, virtual dating is a great way to try to push past them and to challenge yourself by dealing with actual just like sadness or depression. And it's not over something in your body or something, you know, if it's just how you're processing what everybody is going through right now and everyone's experiences are different on a day-to-day -day basis. I do think it's important to listen to that voice in your head too. Totally. And one more question, and then I'm going to let you guys go because we're going over, is back to the type thing. You said that with your company, you try and do pay attention to the chemistry factor when you set people up. How, since JD especially, you know, Lauren, you kind of ended up with your type, but JD, you didn't. How do you push against, how do you kind of like figure out what chemistry might be good with your clients, but, and then how do you, you know, someone's going to tell you their type and you're going to go against it. What advice would you be for people who are like, no, this is my type and I know it, or just have that 
automatic instinct of shutting off when they see someone on a virtual date or otherwise who's not their type? Or how do you kind of navigate that whole chemistry thing when you're making matches? I think a lot of it has to do with the trust that we end up building with our clients. Because the truth is, if someone has a type and we have someone who we think not only fits what they're looking for physically, but genuinely could be a good match, we'll always try to set them up with that person first. It's not like they say, oh, I want 6'2", or I want someone under 35, or whatever their parameters are. It's not like we actively push back against it, but we do try to widen the net as wide as possible so that in case the right person for them does fall outside of those parameters, we would hope that they would allow us to put that person in front of them. And so I think we always will start by trying to, to find someone that fits what they're looking for. And if after we take a few targeted swings, there's still someone we feel strongly about who fits outside of those parameters for whatever reason, we'll go to them and we'll say, hey, like we think this guy, John, would be amazing for you. We know that he doesn't quite, you know, he has a receding hairline and you said you want a full head of hair. We've given you a few guys like that. We think this guy is so cute and charming would you at least give it a chance? I think once someone has been working with us, they that trust has been built up and they try it. And I think are often pleasantly surprised and often will come back to us and say, you know, I, I guess I was a little closed-minded. Like, thank you so much for opening my mind to this. Or, oh, like, you know, you were right or I was right. It, there wasn't chemistry, but it actually had nothing to do with the not having a full head of hair. It was something else. So right. sure, like, send someone else like that my way. If you have someone, um, it's all just, um, it's, it's easier with the matchmaking because it is so personalized. So with, with your clients, you're coaching who are finding their own dates on a, an online app or something like that. There's only so much nudging you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think it is really important to give other people a chance and not just from a philosophical perspective because genuinely they might be overlooking someone really special for them. And I think similar to that, what you said is like, if you've set them up with their type a few times and it still hasn't worked, that might make them a little more willing to be flexible. And when people are finding their own dates, it's like, well, if you've always dated a certain type and it hasn't worked, don't you think maybe you should be a little more flexible? It can't hurt. Like worst case scenario, you get dressed up and you go out and hopefully at least still have a pleasant conversation and maybe have some good chicken wings, you know, like there's not that much harm in at least trying. And I'm always very puzzled by the people that won't even try, try it. And if it's not for you, cool, but at least try it. There's a difference between someone's type Mm -hmm. and like wishful thinking, like with Jason Momoa, like I would kill to be with someone like Jason Momoa, but I also think like with the type, not only am I attracted to that type, but I also know that type likes me. Mm. Another thing is that a lot of people are open who are our clients. They, they're not always specifying a very specific type. So I think that's what makes our job fun is that I would say more than half of our clients are, are pretty open. So it's fun to look at, you know, what they have in common and matching people based on, you know, a vibe that we get based on, you know, their, their backgrounds growing up. Um, if everyone was so rigid, I don't know if I could, <laughs> if I could do this job, it would, it would be way too, too, too stressful, but right. that's okay. another thing we need through. Is people being rigid? Not rigid, but it's like, okay, 
you're telling me that you want this guy that doesn't exist or this or, or, or guy or girl like the guy this person that you're describing i'm not sure if they're going to be liking you i think that people people need to be a little bit more open-minded about what their potential equal would be as opposed to somebody who's completely out of their league right and i love what you said i think that maybe is the answer to type is People need to stop thinking of it as the type I'm into, which of course is Jason Momoa. And instead, who's into me? Because I can speak from experience. There is nothing more attractive than someone who knows how great you are and is super into you and willing to pursue you and put themselves out there for you. So even if what's usually into you isn't what you're usually into, you might want to like push on that a little and say, okay, but what if I focused on that type of person? Eventually, I'm going to be into one of them and they're going to be into me. Yeah, and also there might be, you know, maybe you will find Jason Momoa, but Jason Momoa is dumb and you have no emotional connection with him. So I think um, we really like to also mirror the language that our clients are using back to them Mm. because I think sometimes they don't always hear what they sound like. And for example, if, if a male client who's 42 comes to us and he says, I won't meet a woman over 33, Right. Um, and, you know, they'll say, oh, it's the kids thing. And we're like, yes, but people have their eggs frozen. Like we can have that conversation forever. But I like to we'll mirror it back to them and we'll say, OK, so just to clarify, we, you want your age cap to be 33. Let's say we go through our entire extensive network and database and we're so excited about this 37 year old woman for you. Do you want us to write her off and present the second best match for you? who's like 30 or do you want to like grab a drink with a 37 year old and just see, and then, Hey, if it's not a match, then no harm, no foul. We'll go back to your original requirements. And I would say nine times out of 10, they're like, well, well, if if you're a great match for me, then sure. And so I think a lot of people just need to sort of hear it out loud. Totally. Um, And 33 to 37 is a big jump, but like usually we'll do it like, a little bit at a time, like Mm -hmm. this amazing 34, four year old, you're saying we should write her off or you're open. Oh no, no, no. I'm open. We do it again. Okay. What if the best match is 35, you know? And so we keep rephrasing it back to them. And I think they realize that they're more open than they think if it's a perfect match, but to know if it's a perfect match, you have to meet them. Right. Right. So I think just that type of nudging for us has always been helpful is just letting them know, in a really kind way, like this is what it sounds like to us. I just want to make sure this is what you're saying. Well, and I love the reframing too of like, let's say this person is perfect for you, but they miss your height requirement, age requirement, weight requirement, whatever, by three degrees. You really want to go with second best then because it fit on your like description that you wrote down two years ago. Like, I really like that. And I think that's a really useful tool for anyone obviously for matchmakers, but also for people doing this themselves, that they can take a step back from their determined requirements and really ask themselves in a real world scenario, how much are those things worth? Yeah, I think it's like a Venn diagram. Okay, who do I like? Who likes me? (laughs) And then what's in the middle here? And I feel like that should be your type. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. And that takes a lot of self-awareness too, I think. I think 
another fun thing people could do during this time if they don't feel like going on dates or if they have time between dates rather than stalk people is sit down and do some self-research. Who are the people I've dated? Who are the people I've wanted to date? What has been good about those relationships? What hasn't worked? What What do I attract? And really objectively look at things and see how much you can kind of hold yourself responsible for your situation. That's great advice. Thank you. You guys have been fantastic. You have been fantastic. You have been meaningful conversation. You ask like uh, amazing questions. You're like a young Barbara Walters. Oh yeah, you know I get that. I got the invite saying you're. Are you ready to record for NYT? And I was like, oh my god, it's New York Times. Times. I remind myself. So your therapist, soon to be New York Times. Exactly on the same level. Thank you guys. You've been amazing. I cannot speak highly enough about your services and how much I want people to use them. I've already plugged them on this podcast, but I'll do it again. LJ matchmaking, the virtual dating, I think is just like a super fun thing to do right now. You can learn so much about yourself. You can learn so much about another person. And then your real life matchmaking when it returns, which it will, um, also sounds like a great thing. It sounds like you guys are just super thoughtful, intuitive. You do it from the heart. And I I just can't encourage people enough. Do you both have Instagrams where people can follow you as well? Lauren, what's yours? L-R-O underscore S-E-N-B-E-R-G. Wow. Okay. Well, L-R-O underscore S-E-N-B-E-R-G. Okay, great. And JD, yours is? Jess. Jess. So Jess, J-E-S-S, call me JD, J-A-Y-D-I. Cute. Play on words. I like it. Um, You guys have been amazing. Thank you. I'll send people your way. I will continue to because it just sounds so fun. And thanks for all that you do and for spending this Saturday afternoon with me. Our pleasure. What a great Saturday. Yay. Bye, guys. Just the tip, a dating tip. I think there were so many good tips in there. One of the ones I really loved was to treat virtual dates as if you are going on a real date. I know at first blush, that sounds like it would be more stressful than being able to approach it in your pajamas, how you are totally comfortable. But I actually think it'll somehow feel less draining if it really feels like a thing you are doing. And there's something about um, getting dressed, showering, shaving, listening to some fun music, having a drink. You can have one drink before a date, not more. One, do not come to the day hammered. But getting ready is if you're going somewhere, even if you're just going to do it in a different part of the house than where you normally sit, like don't go back to that dent in the couch where you normally are, but sit at your table kind of trick your body that it's going to some different place. Maybe go for a little walk first, get your energy up, do whatever it is you need to do, and then approach it as if there are stakes involved. And that's not to make you nervous or anxious about it, but that's to actually give yourself a different, more fun experience. I think part of what is not as fun or can be more draining about virtual dating is that we aren't leaving our house. We aren't getting to go smell this person's pheromones and have all of our senses kind of excited by the bar and the drink and the snacks and the waiter and the other people and the date and the going somewhere and that transition moment where you ride in the Uber or whatever. We're missing all of that. So try and recreate, or not recreate, but reinvent 
those things for yourself in your home. How can you make it feel special? Change the lighting. Wear something you haven't worn for a long time. Don't wear your typical date outfit. Wear your special occasion outfit or some dress that you bought while in quarantine that you haven't had the chance to wear yet. You know, make it extra special for yourself. And I think it's going to counterintuitively make it more relaxing for you to go on these dates because it's going to be something fun you're doing for yourself. You're not just getting dressed up for another person, which yes, I want to take pe- pressure off of people to look perfect on a date because you absolutely do not have to. Although the touch up your appearance feature is great, uh, but don't overdo it with the filters, obviously. But I think, you know, there's something about allowing it to be a special occasion that there's a lead up to, that there's a transition moment to, and there's a lead down from where you have to take the dress off, take the makeup off. But you know, something about that transition moment and tricking yourself into thinking this is a special hour or two hours that I'm giving myself. I'm not just continuing to sit in the same pair of sweatpants. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to refresh myself. I'm going to go for a quick walk. I'm going to do a workout video and then get ready. Whatever it is, the way you would approach a real date is you would put time and preparation into it because that allows you to relax while you're on it. You're not nervous about how you smell or what your hair looks like because you know you put the time in. So do that because you never know who will be on the other end of that computer. And as we said, even if it's not a perfect match for you, they might know someone who would be good for you. They might become your friend. They might you might date someone in the future that they will meet. So you want to put your best foot forward no matter what. And if you don't feel like you can do that because of, you know, where you are in this quarantine in terms of your mental health, that's totally fine. But then be honest about that and give yourself a full break. But if you're going to do it, do it right. Do it for yourself. Put the time in and have fun. A huge thank you to Lauren and JD for joining me today. You can find them LJ Matchmaking on Instagram. You can also look up LJ Matchmaking. Just call me JD and L-R-O underscore S-E-N-B-E-R-G is Lauren Rosenberg. They're amazing. They're thoughtful. Uh, if they, if you are not in the Los Angeles area, I bet they know matchmakers and other people doing similar things in different cities. So you could certainly reach out to them for a referral and they would love to give it to you. So thank you to them for coming on with all of their insights and wonderful stories that were so inspiring. Uh, thank you to Josiah Thorngate, my amazing editor. I know this will be a tough one. And Melissa Gruen, Christine Bartolucci, all of you for listening, rating, reviewing. Please do review. Send me your questions, not your therapist podcast at gmail.com and making dating fun. <laughs>